Welcome to the Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect. I'm Rena, and this is the podcast where my fierce and fabulous guests and I explore different aspects of womanhood each and every week. We salute the game changers and we celebrate those women who are changing the world one bit at a time. We share experiences and we get inspired by each other and we learn from each other. In episode 96 last week, you heard the first part of my chat with Gidith. If you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll have heard her voice a lot in our power panel discussions. You might have heard her on This Radio where she's a presenter and there's a good chance that now you've already listened to the podcast Sweet Bobby. So I first met Gidith when I was about 18 years old at uni. So that is coming up to mm, about 25 years now because we old, we mature, wise. And um, even though we weren't in regular contact for a few of those years, she's always been someone that has been very dear to me. We've had a lot of shared experiences. We got back in touch in 2019 after a few years. And I came to learn of the horrific ordeal that she had been subjected to. This is part two of our conversation about how Girith was catfished by her cousin and subjected to emotional abuse and coercive control. In this episode, she talks about coming to terms with what happened to her, questions that she's still trying to get answers to, how she's healing and how this experience has changed her. I have been talking to you after hearing most of the episodes. We've like had a chat or something or messaged at least. But then I, I heard the last one last week and I, I didn't on purpose I thought you know what I'm gonna talk to her I'm gonna talk to her anyway I didn't I didn't talk to you about it and it was like yeah we haven't spoken about that yeah, and, and episode, yeah exactly and I thought you know I'm gonna I'm gonna just speak to her on the podcast about it but it's where they spoke to your family and that's like a massive deal and I you know we're both Punjabi girls the same age from our parents have a certain mentality and it's like they spoke to your dad in that you know I was terrified I was terrified for you and it, and you know <laughs> we spoke about dads like the last time we did a podcast the power panel podcast together like we spoke about dads and daddy issues daddy it? issues <laughs> yes exactly you know um and 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 you said like how much at certain points of this ordeal when it got bad and when you found out what was going on and how difficult it got and you wanted your dad and mm. And your dad did speak on this. And, and I have to say that your dad, like the way that he commented on this and how awkward it was, like I swear to God, my own dad would have been very similar. The mentality of it all, like, you know, the way that he thinks about this situation, like us, honestly, my dad would have been similar in this. He would have said something similar. That's really interesting to hear because, yeah, um, yeah you know they either I think this you have two responses in the brown community when something like this happens or you know a father will either have the response that my dad did which was like be torn between doing the community you know like rocking the community and standing up for your daughter and you're torn in that way or you have the kind of father that's going to go out and kill everybody 
Yeah, yeah, literally pick up a sword and go, yeah, yeah, exactly. Put himself in prison and land land himself in prison instead, you know. (laughs) But you you have those two responses. And and yeah, you can understand that turmoil in our community. And and I've got to say, since the podcast has come out, I have had some really positive responses. But, you know, the silence is also deafening as well. You know who's not responding. You know who's not asking you the questions. You know who's not approaching you. You know who's not picking up the phone or dropping you a text to say, "Hey, I heard this. Are you okay?" Um, I'm not. I'm not noting people to say, like, oh, "I'm watching you," but it it it, it hurts you. It hurts. You. Yeah. I mean, forget about social media because at the moment sweet bobby is all over social media loads of people are talking about it and everything you know but the Mm. real world let's talk about the real world and people that are maybe not on social media like the community people that are related to you what's the reaction been from them um people who've been with me from the start people who've been involved and i've spoken to from the start and have helped me have all been there for me they've been brilliant they've listened they've done whatever um, some of my cousins, you know, I didn't put anything up on my social media. I had some stories on my Insta and Facebook, which disappeared, but I didn't put anything up until last week. I tweeted last week for the first time and I put something up on my Facebook. I still am not comfortable posting on Insta. I'll do stories, but I'm still not comfortable posting on Insta. And I don't want my first post to be about Sweet Bobby. Um, in all honesty, I don't want this to define me for the rest of my life because there's more to me than that. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm still me. Um, I've had, you know, some of my cousins have come back to me and they didn't know anything and gone like, thank you, or I can't believe you went through this. And we're talking about two, maybe, <laughs> you know, um, and what two, are the rest they didn't know anything silence from pretty much the rest um one of my cousins you know she's in Canada she was the first one actually and she didn't know um she's an older cousin and she listened to it all after I posted and she messaged me and she said I you know she said I'm so proud of you and she and she literally she said I I, you know I cried myself to sleep last night thinking that you went through all of this and then I was new yeah so so much happened you know so much happened there was so much happening in my family and stuff and I just kept quiet I'd been told not to say anything too much to people and I had to say who I told to him and there were a couple of friends that he didn't know knew um one because they're male one former colleague um yeah, so yeah, actually, he did know that they knew. That's not even true. He knew everybody that I spoke to. I didn't really hide anything. Didn't any? But I of, was scared. Did any of them at any point say to you, "What? What the hell is this, Gideth? Like, you need to come away from this, or something's not right." Did anyone say that to you? I think I was having the conversations myself to say I'm scared things aren't right. But the thing is, you get to a point where, say, you invested this many years of your life, and you've ended up investing so much, and you're this close to him just coming and that's it and even my own family was saying just stay calm Gareth. stop aggravating the situation he'd manipulated everybody to isolate me and 
that's the worst mm. thing. You know, yeah. manipulated everybody to isolate me. And I had a conversation with my really good friends who supported me throughout this since this came to light. I occasionally used to have chats to him. And this is what he said to me yesterday, which really hit hard. And he is very, very upset. Um, a lot of people in the media will know him, but um, he's extremely upset. You know, he's read the apology letter. And when he read, he's one of the people that can read the apology letter. And I think you're one of the people that's read the apology letter as well. Um, and this, this is the apology from, from Simran, isn't it? The official apology, the yeah. Official so apology. it's a private apology. Yep. I can only show it to a few people. And mm -hmm. none of you can say what's in it. Yep. But when he read it, he was, you know, it took him ages. And he was like emotionally upset when he read it. He didn't realise. And yesterday he... Um, he said I can't speak to all your other friends because I used to because I feel guilty because I used to sometimes we used to talk in those years and he said I used to sometimes think what's she playing at she's got so much going for her you know he'd get off the phone with me where I've said you know I'm just going through this or mates going through this and whatever and I just kind of like you're saying it's just you know like I wish she just sort herself out she could be brilliant or whatever and then no not every time just occasionally he's like just occasionally that thought would cross my mind like she could do so much better for herself what's she doing what's she you know just really you know that kind of and he's like now I feel guilty because you were going through all that and all that time he spent so much time getting to know and he finds it very difficult to even listen to the podcast um and he's like he feels guilty and I said but that's what she wanted you to think she wanted me to look like a loser to everybody and she succeeded in making you doubt me that's exactly what the plan was and and I said don't feel guilty but he feels it really really badly and he's like I let you down and I'm like no you didn't you're here you've been one of the people that's been here for me throughout ever since the confession happened and and you know and all this has come to light now and he, he's just but he didn't grasp exactly what happened until the podcast and he's just like and until reading the apology and he you know it, it's hurt he feels guilty and I how do I say to him don't feel guilty <laughs> well you can't but I, I I can relate to that I feel guilty I feel guilty because like I said at the beginning of this we sat down to speak properly when you told us all this and that was after a long time you know that was after a long time because I don't know you know obviously we've known each other from university and then there was a time when we weren't really in touch or we were in touch on and off because you know I don't know life I, happens. things happen <laughs> it, things happen life you get happens, yeah. life happens you get overwhelmed with your own life and your own issues and things oh. and you know, and and I I have I've I've had moments where I'm like, oh my, what was I doing? Like, why was I not a better friend during that time that we could talk about these things? You know, but but it's life, isn't it? At the end of the day, and yeah, yeah. And but but, but I'm saying that I can. Pardon. She wanted me to look like a loser to everybody. She wanted people to not have faith in me because I was always like, yeah, I'm good at what I do. I am a positive person. I'm good at what I do. I'm quite resilient. I'm quite strong. You know, everybody has like something they're not good at or something. You know, it, it, we all have our weaknesses. That's fine. Accept your weaknesses and you get on with life. But there's things you know you're good at. You know you're good at your job. You know you're good at whatever X, Y, and Z. And, and you know, and you just wonder why. And I'm like, I'm not a loser. So why is this happening to me? But she wanted me to look like a loser. And when it came to right at the end of this and 
post all of this until I've done my legal case and this is all just the civil case you know it's very hard for me to explain to the police the police didn't believe me the real Bobby didn't want to take things seriously at the beginning it was just too confusing to everybody everybody just like just get on with your life just whatever but she'd really destroyed absolutely everything of my life and I tried I tried for so many months to get on with stuff but I couldn't then explain the gaps I couldn't explain anything my confidence had gone she was out there getting promotion after promotion and having great stuff happen to her she got engaged within a year like you know of all of this which wasn't for me like she said something wrong in her head how can she do that did she tell the truth to the person she was you know I'm not revengeful if she's got engaged good on her but on the basis of truth if the person still wants to be with her knowing what she's done fair enough I don't have any issues with that as long as it's based on the truth but why would you subject somebody else to this I I, I feel angry I literally makes my blood boil because I'm just like she's having a nice time and doing all this and and she subjected you to this to kind of have all these things going on in your mind it's mental torture to be honest right mm. that's mental so torture because yeah. you know you had all this going on in your head you went to see the real Bobby you're like oh my god but then this has happened and then you're talking to all these like fake relatives and stuff like that's absolutely just I can't believe that somebody can then carry on and have a normal life and and while they've done this to you you know or do they realize the, the, the seriousness of it I think in the podcast um people don't they, did, did they did they talk about a motive Simran's your cousin's motive in the podcast because yeah. there doesn't really the seem final episode, to... the final episode focuses on motive but there doesn't um even, even when you spoke to me I was just like why the hell like why who does this and no why idea. do this um I just you know it, it's kind of like it's not like there was a revenge thing that she had to do or that she was in love with you or in love with a real Bobby or something like it just seems very very bizarre like, have have you asked her this like why <laughs> I haven't seen her since the day she confessed you literally never seen her and does she live close to you doesn't no. she she lives close to yeah. you yeah yeah okay so you you've not seen her since then and this was no. what is that three years ago now three and a half years ago so at the time that she at the time that she told you this was me right and you you say in the podcast that how it went down you know the trauma of that did you ask her so I speak about yeah yeah obviously I was screaming questions at her I was screaming why 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 you know I didn't get it I didn't understand it and I still don't and I've made my peace with if I sat here right now and wondered well I'm, I'm quite a rational logical person and if now if I you know for me to sit here you know you want to know why you wonder why but if I kept, kept on going why I need to know why she did this to me why me why you know if I kept on wondering about that even what if I did find out why she did it what am I going to do with that information right now and plus it's I more mental talk torture to isn't it? it's more it. that's it it's more mental torture for you you yeah. go around in circles so, and you can't control that yeah but what i would like to know is how 
I think I think a I lot think... of people are thinking how a lot of people who can't yeah. even manage one email account, mate. <laughs> I need a PA I mean... to manage my children who are at three different schools. I can't even cope. Some kid doesn't even get lunch one day because I forgot to order it. Why is she? How the hell she got? Like, I'm, we're laughing about it now because it's so crazy. Do you see what I mean? Rena cannot order her own children's lunch online. This girl can create like sixty profiles of people and continue with a full time job exactly and get engaged and get promotions. Like as well as doing all of this, yeah, yes, yeah. Um, that's me. For me, that's the most important question out of the why and the how. The two things that I don't know. It's the how. And I think everybody should know. I think we all have a right to know how somebody can do this online, not just her, other people as well. Um, I've got to say, since the podcast came out, I have been contacted by lots of people. And I know Tortoise Media have as well um, to say something similar happened to me. And there's some fantastic stories out there. Um, But this isn't just about online catfishing catfishing isn't always romantic you need to remember just like a a pin drop of what happened here in that whole period is romantic um there's an element very much an element of real life in here which made it believable there was a real person involved there were other people who i thought were real people because i've met them or i know them or their family in here it's very close to me i had been isolated from going out and seeing people i had been with bobby's family at functions during this period during the time i was even in a romantic relationship with them my instruction was to stay away from them but they came up to me and gave me massive hugs but i couldn't speak to them to say i'm in a relationship with your nephew (laughs) because he wanted to tell his family himself But I knew everything about them, even more than I would know normally, you know, because he was telling me. But this was her telling me about his family. She stalked the real Bobby's whole family. And I think the real Bobby's only just coming to terms with that now, possibly. How did she get all this? How did she get... This is what I mean. It's about how, right? Even the whole... The question is how. Exactly. And, And the sleeping on the phone thing, like you said, you know, when he was not well in the hospital and you were sleeping on the phone at night so you were on skype with your headphones on the whole night listening to each other breathing so i was again so could you hear anything could you like yeah you'd hear him snoring was obviously her snoring but yeah this how was that to get your head around because that's like intimacy and i know a lot of people when they heard this and, and even in the newspapers and stuff because you know you have been in the papers and stuff a lot of some of the papers were <laughs> <laughs> you know, papers sensationalized stuff no but no, that's what i'm saying like, and the way that serious issue here and people just slept online that, that's it that's it yeah, but they were like literally wrong ideas in your head and i know but, yeah. but when we're saying slept you it was literally slept right but then the way that the papers have kind of delved into like oh, yes it. was there a sexual <laughs> element to this and stuff you know like obviously you're in an intimate relationship with someone but there's kind of like it wasn't like you know now it's like oh yeah so and so sent me a dick pic haha whatever there was nothing like that 
here, I've right? not yet. So one of the first questions that I, so I to, you know, when I was started talking about this initially, you know, I tried to talk to this, uh, about this to people, there were two questions that would come up. One would be, did you send any dodgy pictures or videos? And the other one was, how could you be so stupid? And one, you know, question number one, no, I didn't. Who do you think I am? And even if I did, it's none of your business. But there aren't any. So sorry, people, to disappoint you. But <laughs> there aren't any. Um, and then, um, you know, I have my integrity. I, you know, I wouldn't. Oh, just just makes me angry. Um, and the other question, I'm not stupid. If anybody knew the lengths I went through to verify stuff to check stuff but she also knew that this is the thing she also knew what kind of person I am she was on one step ahead of me she'd learned that I look at every tiny detail but she also knew I was honest enough with my partner to ask the questions so she was always one step she, mm. she was learning about me she was learning like if I'd say in this picture this doesn't look whatever look at the date on that this doesn't make sense to me explain you're lying to me you know i'd say it just like that so yeah anyone who wants to get in a relationship be careful you know mm. <laughs> but no I, that's but that's exactly how i am i don't hold back but then that little bit of me I've, sometimes i wish i was a bit manipulative and hold back would hold back and maybe i'd investigated but instead of confronting because that's how she was getting her information but we wouldn't dream that it's not who yeah, but, but you're not, and also, like you said, you're not like that. I mean, I think I'm similar to you in that way, as in, like, we're very much kind of, there's no bitchy maliciousness, oh, I'm going to hide things and sneak up and say, very there's upfront. No, games. no, there's no, no, there's no games. games. There's no games. And, you know, yeah. and, and I think I like that about you. And, and I think we're similar in that way that we just, mm. there's a, we can't be bothered as well to do all that. It's a lot of effort. You know what I mean? A lot of effort to do that, just be straight up and, and, yeah, it didn't work in your favor in in this in this situation, did it? Really, because yeah. you were just too open to the wrong person, obviously. But this, but this well, whole... I wasn't too open to start with, was I? It no, took a but lot it took time. That's it took it. years and years for this person. And the thing is, as my cousin, I actually never spoke to her about my private life at all, other than about Bobby, who was who she knew, who I needed help with. Other than that, I wasn't that close to her that I would have spoken to her about anything. And I ne there's evidence. The evidence indicates that. I wasn't that close to her. In I was there to support her as yeah. a big sister. But other than, other than when I was desperate towards the end and she was the only person, and by that time she'd grown from a kid at school to a mature woman in her late 20s, your dynamic of your relationship changes. Yes, yeah. It does. I mean, I've got a sister that's 13 years younger than me and our dynamic has changed because we're both adults now. So, yeah. So, yeah, it does. It does. Um, I mean, in the last episode of the podcast, Alexi did ask you stuff which people had been questioning. And one of the things was the voice. And I and, and me and Romy said this to you at that time when you told us everything, like, did you not speak to him? Did you not speak to did you not speak to Bobby or who you thought was Bobby? How did you Of course you, I did. Uh, yeah, but the but the how did you do you know what I mean? Like how did did your cousin change her voice? Like how did that work? I don't know how 
she did anything. So this is what I mean. I want to know the house. But was there a voice, a distinct voice that was, was Bobby's voice that was different to, to her voice? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It wasn't the Bobby's voice that I once knew it was. Because remember, I've spoken to the real Bobby and I had pic- videos and pictures. You know, I, I'd seen and I know what he sounds like, but he had a stroke. He lost his voice in a stroke. He was having voice therapy, speech therapy to get all of that back. And then he lost it a second time at the end of 2015 as well. We had to have it again. And he was very conscious of his voice and the consultants were telling me that. And he was saying to me, I hate my voice after that. You know, and so his voice was never normal and it started off as a, like, you know, first of all, it was just noises to sort of whispering, croaky. And it was like a croaky, bassy, from guy, squeaky kind of, you know, like not, but not a regular voice, mm-hmm. but it was somebody that was having voice therapy. And, it, and, and like therapy. you said, it came up in conversations about, oh, I hate my voice, my voice is like this, it's not my normal yeah, voice. Yeah, and okay. I, remember, I remember like one of my family had taken the mick out of his voice at one point in time and it really upset him. And I had to get them to apologise because I was like, oh my God, you know, he's already really conscious of his voice and he's having therapy and voice therapy and everything. And, you know, it's... Imagine, you know, it's the one thing that you're really sensitive about, one of the things that you're really sensitive about, and somebody takes the mic, takes the mic. And um, there was, I mean, there was all of that going on. Um, so, yeah, I said, but yeah, it wasn't the same as Simran's voice. What about video calling? Because if you're on Skype, he, like, how come? Yeah. Where he was, when he was in hospital, we weren't allowed to Skype. Before that, I'd never needed to Skype. Skyping and video calling and FaceTiming wasn't popular when all of this started. You know, this is something we've become more and more used to over the years and more recently, especially. So you've got to think, you know, I wasn't even used to not having verbal conversations when this started, but everybody else that he was talking to, they were all really comfortable with it. And I was thinking maybe I'm just somebody that uh, maybe I'm a bit old school. Because his aunts and stuff, everybody, their whole family was like using socials and my family don't. Like my mum's not on social media or anything. It's not like it's what they do. Whereas, you know, maybe his family were more known to be more modern and forward. And they're all like, you know, very Kenyan thing that they want to have the best of everything. Um, which is fair enough. Um, so, but I thought I was back, maybe backwards or slow. Um, now it's very normal in society that we do that but for me at that time I wasn't very comfortable with not having spoken to him but the, the attempts to speak to each other and call each other had happened but it was just like we played phone ping pong and it just didn't happen and he was busy and I was busy and it was like oh it's okay so you know you, you kind of go okay it's not like I don't have his phone number I could call him whenever I want but I never needed to that was the thing there was no reason for me to call him even though I had his phone number and then when it, the relationship became a romantic relationship. He you... was in a place where he wasn't allowed to, in the hospital, he wasn't allowed. We weren't even allowed to Skype. We weren't even allowed to talk. Special arrangements had been made for us to even talk. Um, but the video wasn't allowed. We would even been told off for he'd sent me pictures sneakily once. And uh, we'd been told off for even doing that. He'd sent you um, pictures of what? 
um, well, this is when his son was there and his son wasn't very well and he was in hospital. So again, that whole emotional turmoil of his son not being very well. Um, they were, I was sent baby pictures of him and the son in hospital and there was a nurse's badge on display in there. And when they found out, well, there was an argument that had happened because of his ex-wife and the consultant had got involved and he told us off him off sharing these pictures because he was revealing where he was um security wise and you know so I was like you know we were like we knew we weren't allowed to do the video but who the hell was that in the pictures picture wasn't allowed whose kid was that in the pictures I don't know <laughs> I don't I mean, know I'm just like I've got hundreds and hundreds of pictures thousands maybe so I was, it's not like I didn't have loads of, people might want to ask, do you have pictures of Bobby? Yeah, I've got loads. She stalked the real Bobby and got pictures. Wow. And built that, stories and built stuff around those pictures. So. I mean, this is why I don't understand why, you know, some people will be like, oh, well, I don't understand how Gilith could do this. You know, I'm sure people have said to you, like you said, how could you be so stupid? People saying that to you, right? There's going to be people that will be like, oh, well, I'd never, you know, I'd never believe. But look at this. This is a web. It's the web of lies that was built around you. But it's why would I not trust my own cousin? Tell me that. No, exactly. Exactly. Um, If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be in this situation. I would have walked away from it because she was the one that kept keeping me in it. She was the one that was bringing him presents from me. She was the one that would talk me into like believing him like he really loves you he really really loves you and I said you know why are you always taking his side what is it you know you're not going out with his brother anymore what's you know <laughs> what's the what's the catch you know um do you know there was a point where I was like mm. and I said to Bobby does she fancy you is she into you and by that point, I probably, had, I just, you know, I don't even know when Bobby finally got here, that whole excitement of seeing him had kind of gone. It, our relationship had really badly deteriorated, but it was just, you were so close. Everybody else around you, that pressure was there. You just, you know, you've done so much. You've given, you've compromised so much. It's that last step. You know, you, everything's within touching distance and it could just all be okay now, nearly. So at what point do you give up? when you've put that much into mm. something. I tell you what got to me <clears throat> when I listened to everything, like the voice notes, the voice notes from that time that you sent to Bobby that were used in the podcast and really like made me just like, you know, quite painful to listen to because of the emotion that you were going through. You could just hear it clearly in those voice notes, you know. How are you now? Um, I've got to say, you know, those voice notes that you hear. What people don't realise, the last two and a half years of that relationship, I was feeling like that practically every day. arguments where I was picked on, threatened, controlled, emotional situations were put in front of me where I couldn't do anything, where I'd be a witch 
for not doing stuff a certain way the pressures of like our community our family were used the emotional torment was huge if someone just listens to one of those voice notes right and to think that every day that's how you felt for two years yeah that every day from from July I can even say which which month July from July 2016 when it really I mean from October 2015 was when I started feeling really exhausted and like went down and weak but from July 2016 when I first caught him having majorly lied to me and confronted him with it That's when my, that, from that point onwards, total unrest, you know, but from October 2015, October 2015 was our first argument when it was first nasty to me. And from that time onwards, you know, that, that whole trickle down effect in the relationship turning nasty started happening but I was expected to look after him despite all of it and still speak to his family and his cousins and do all of that and keep face and I did and you know there was always that thing that he's ill he's not well the consultant was telling me he's not well he's prone somebody you know if you know somebody who's had a stroke or somebody who's paralyzed they get frustrated they get angry they get all those things those are the they're quite common things that happen so you have to have some patience with somebody who's not well they're going through their own stuff so but that was being used against me and and that turmoil when someone's being nasty and being that way that what you heard in those voice notes was pretty much what I was like I've thrown my phone across the room I've yeah there wasn't enough of me to go around him and his family it was like that but then there was nobody was giving me anything the fact that when things got bad, then things got before even things got bad. You you said that you tried to get help for your, for yeah. your mental health because it was too much, right? Then it got nasty, yeah. and then yeah. you found out it was your cousin Simran. Bobby wasn't mm. real, right? All this is then two steps on from when you wanted therapy in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> so just a healthy person saying, just, you know, something. I just need yeah. an outlet to talk to somebody. Yeah. Okay, so this is like two steps beyond that. How how have you... <laughs> the fact that you're just laughing about it, because it's like... It's, <laughs> well, I'd rather laugh than cry, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, have you had help to process all of this? Yeah, I have. I, have. I mean, you've got to remember, it's three and a half years on from the confession. Things aren't perfect by any means um, in my life there's still a lot of rebuilding to do um but in terms of me as a person I'm generally I think you I think you'd say as you I mean what do you think when you speak to me I'm interested to know from you what you think of how I am now I feel like even from when you first told me about all of this to now I've even noticed a change and uh, a strength I think like I feel like you always have been quite a strong person in your own way, but I feel like I've noticed even you've become more stronger, I think. Yeah, I couldn't really speak about the case 
very much because it was too difficult to explain. I needed the confidence that came from having a formal yeah. something. And for your own mind. I before could, you, yeah. You know, There's those... been a whole process where all the evidence has been looked at and, you know, there's been some kind of a conclusion, even though there's more to do. But, you know, there's 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 been a formal process where everything's been looked at. So, um, and then on top of that, this podcast, which has happened, again, the evidence has been looked at a second time. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's sets of people that have really drilled down into everything and looked at, we're talking about hundreds and thousands of files, if not millions. Mm-hmm you know, um, I've done that and, and gone, what the hell? This is crazy. It's not, it's just not a normal catfish, if that's what you no, want to see it as. It's, it's, not, um, it's not. And, and it's, it is deliberately complicated to make me look stupid. And I'm not stupid. And I know I'm not. And yeah, anyone can come and you can argue with me till you're blue in the face. And I will just laugh and be like, you know something, it's okay. You can have your opinion, it's okay. But I know me and I know what I went through. And if you don't want to look at everything or don't want to see everything or, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. then if you really want to side with somebody or who's gone out of their way to do this and not just done it to me. And so I know I'm not the only other victim and I kind of know what, has been done to other victims and I'm like well I would have never like even done that and I'm like I'm glad I didn't do x y and z other people I feel sorry for some of the other victims for how much they've been duped um you know and they they're not featuring their stories don't feature in this because of you know this everyone's scared I'll be very frank people who have spoken to that that have approached me that know her Mm-hmm. And now scared to say anything openly for fear of for themselves. And that's what the general feeling is. Fear for what? That she would do that to them or that? Yeah. Okay. It's like I didn't know it was being done to me. <laughs> mm. How do you know who's following you on, on Twitter or something? How do you, do you know every single person? Have you ever thought about it? On that subject, do you find it harder to trust people now? No. No. I had to work on this. Um, I had to work on this because it was not about trust, I don't think. I think it's about accepting not everybody is her. Not everybody is going to go to that extent. Yeah, normal people might cheat. Normal people might bitch about you behind your back normal people might do stuff like that but this extent I'm not sure there's there's that many people that are capable of it um I hope not I mean yeah I hope not um, it's scary but yeah not everybody you have to accept just like you accept when you have a breakup with somebody that not everybody's your ex every man or you know every woman isn't the same when you're having it in a relationship with somebody, this is the same thing. Not everybody's her. And I I have to accept that in order to, that's how I have to see it in order to move on. If I start thinking everybody's like her and sitting there because a keyboard warrior, it's impossible, you know? Um, but yeah, you just have to be like, I want to get on with the rest of my life. I don't want to give the rest of my life to her. 
I don't want her to have, that would be a small victory for her, the way her personality is as I know her. And I probably, sadly, I probably know her better than anybody. I've seen every side of her personality possible, right? I know what she's capable of pretending. Um, so sadly, you know, I, I don't want her to have any more of my life. Even when, after she confessed, I was so happy. It was a massive weight lifted off my shoulders in one way that I could actually go out without having to ask somebody. I could actually just get in my car and go without having to be accountable to anybody or see people again. And, you know, it, it's just even as much as traumatized as I was, there was a massive weight lifted off me in that way. I felt there was a kind of a strange freedom. Um, so and I, 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 I love having that. So I want to make sure that she doesn't take away any more of my life from me. I had a few questions from listeners to ask you as well. Like one of them was, is Girith is always looking over her shoulder in case Simran <laughs> is around? Now, I think you kind of answered that just now anyway. No, but I do. But I do. You do. You, you are conscious so you, of on your You socials. still do on socials. I think I've always been careful on socials, but I, I, I see patterns. I can see patterns quite easily. So, yeah, but the thing is, I've always been like that. So this is what I mean. I've always been, uh, when I had to download stuff for the police and we're looking at my messages, you know, I can see me very politely refusing friend requests from people and, people, and then people's like, especially men, you know, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I really don't take friend requests of half-naked guys. Or, you know, I just really like, some of my responses are so embarrassing. Like, so like, like, whoa, when you said that to somebody, and then they were like sworn at me and I was like, I'm sorry. Just like, oh, sorry, do I know you? <laughs> like literally. So I've always been like that. And you see all of those things. So I'm still the same. That hasn't changed. And this is what I meant. They took somebody who was randomly accepting, like it wasn't a competition for me to see how many friends I can have online. Some people like, I don't count to see how many people are following me every day or anything like that. I'm not bothered. Um, but I am, yeah, so I do pay attention if I'm going to friend somebody or allow them to see stuff. Um, but that's how I've always been. Mm. But I think, yeah, I, I, there, there are patterns mm -hmm. that I can recognise if it was to be her again. Okay. And another question is, if Simran had been remorseful, genuine remorse, would you have forgiven her? Have you, in a way... I gave her every opportunity, you know, to do things. People might say, "Why, well, you know, why are you airing your dirty laundry? Why are you speaking about this openly?" It was never my intention to. Um, she and her family were given opportunities. Um, they didn't. I felt intimidated. I couldn't go about my life normally. I needed, you know, and. It's not a case, you, I couldn't just simply just get on with my life. And as much as I had tried to do that, about four months later, you actually realise there's doors that have closed on you because of her. And I can't open them until I've resolved a few things. So I needed those things. And, I, you know, they had ample opportunity, but I feel like there's an there was an arrogance that set in because they made me look weak and stupid and whatever, I couldn't explain myself. People were just going, are you stupid? Are you mad? Or, 
you weirdo let's stay away from her lots of my friends had moved on and thought I'd been a nasty friend or a not not nasty friend I'm not being nasty but not being a good friend to them anymore because I'd lost touch with them people have got on with their lives I've missed out on important days and things in their lives so there's all this resentment um and all this kind of being looked down at whereas she was prime of her life great job moving on like I explained earlier all those things so I looked stupid I needed to do something about that and be content in myself in some way um and because I didn't feel safe I didn't feel safe. I felt intimidated. I was the one that was watching where I was going. I was the one that was looking over my shoulder. I was the one that wasn't going to things because I was scared of seeing her, which wasn't right. It should have been the other way around. And this is where my faith probably comes into the play where I'm like, do you know something? I don't care. My truth is the truth. And we're supposed to stand up for the truth, especially if it's hurting other people or harming other people. And this, she could be doing this to other people. So I'd learned that she'd done it to somebody else. So you just don't know how many more people. It's a habit. It's like pe people, like, I don't know, she's not well. And I'd said that to her parents, but nothing had obviously been done about it. So mm. I had to do what I needed to do. And I've kept quiet as I've been doing it, which I always probably why I didn't say much to you even, um, until this happened and then Tortoise got hold of the story and then I've just not had a chance to stop and digest anything since the conclusion of the civil case. Um, it's just all systems go and we've done this podcast and it was a case of either the press get hold of it and do something crazy and sensational with it or I work with somebody and we do this properly which is what the podcast sweet bobby i feel 100%. has done 100 you know? mm. another question from a listener who who said that you know they they found that sweet bobby was amazing to listen to and that also you know that you're very brave in talking about this um so they've they've said um the question is how has this affected your future relationships with people if you're talking romantic relationships, well, no different um, in the sense of stuff. But, I, you know, the one thing I think in my previous relationship prior to the whole Bobby thing, what I learned out of that relationship was about boundaries um, and how much of myself to, you know, I was very naive when I got into that relationship. I was like in the first few days of uni. Um, but, yeah, for me, just having my boundaries, knowing when I want to walk away from a relationship. But then I knew that anyway, because I tried to walk out of this relationship many times um, when I wasn't happy um, and it wasn't allowed. But in terms of affecting me negatively, I don't think it's affected me in any way. I don't have any issues meeting people. Um, but what I do have is I don't care so much about what people think because... But I've never been one to care so much about what people think anyway. But um, <laughs> even more than before, I care less what they think in the sense of, and that's not in a kind of I don't care what people say. I'm not like that. Of course, I care about people, but in the sense of taking it personally because people haven't lived my experience. Um, there are, like, I've seen some quite tweets out there 
which where people have gone, you know, well, how stupid could she have been? Or I don't believe this for a moment. And people who do this and, you know, you know it's all that kind of stuff. It's like really you're just being ignorant, you're being ignorant to all the factors that we discuss in the podcast. Maybe you're not even listening to the podcast and you're causing judgment. Um, you know, it's like you just got to take it on the chin that people are ignorant out there. People have their opinions in their head and they're not going to change them. And it's like, OK, good luck to you. I hope it never happens to you, though. I just want to say that I think that you are brave for talking about this. It's not easy being like where we're the background that we're from, you know, with our community, family and the judgment that you may or may not get. Um, I know that I know that that's something that you probably thought about before this came out um but also the fact that you are not going to let this define you as you've said and yeah, I and I, and I can no. see that and the fact that like I said to you before like what a, a friend wants to see for another friend is that they are moving on and they're doing things that they enjoy again you know yeah and I I'm feel not like say you... it's not easy mm-hmm. but any shape means it's not easy trying to rebuild my life again I mean I think personality wise I'm pretty much back to myself I am living with symptoms of PTSD I am I do struggle with nightmares um I mean this whole last few weeks has been quite intense and I've got and I've started having a new type of nightmare um but I've learned to deal with them um I've learned how to manage stuff that's part of my life now and hopefully it'll slowly become less and less and a smaller smaller part of my life now um the best support I've had in the last three and a half years where I felt listened to out there has been some groups online and so if somebody else is feeling alone I'm just gonna I need to say this if it can help anybody else some of the best people, if you think that people are giving you advice, but people haven't been through stuff themselves and they keep saying to you, but get out of it, just do this and just do that. And you know that you're stuck and you know you don't know what to do. Best support I've received in the last three and a half years. We just want to be listened to um, and not judged. Uh, from um, There's one, there's a group online. It's like a coercive control group, victims of coercive, coercive control. Um, and there's another one, uh, victims of narcissistic abuse. Um, and there's another one, um, violence, uh, something against, uh, I don't know, I'm putting these groups up on a web page in a, in a, in a shortly, just as resources. But you put stuff in there and you're men and women. So I've got to say this is a female issue, by the way. People make it a female issue. There are men as well. Men and women who understand immediately without you having to over-explain yourself will be there and you just feel heard. You know, sometimes people around you just don't get it. Um, And there's hundreds and thousands of people in those groups. So people do struggle with with this kind of stuff. like I said, I will be putting a page up, which just, you know, just to guide people to some of the agencies that have supported me, um, the lawyers that have helped me feel like if it's something that's online, which you just don't know how to deal with. Um, and people might not believe, um, you know, the lawyers, I put my lawyers details up there, somebody you can go to for advice. I will be putting that page up shortly with just some okay. guidance up as well. But yeah, I would just say out there to people, um, there are people who are willing to listen. If not, 
message me i will find a way to help you somehow um but um so just just share your details and how people can get in touch with you and also about the podcast as well podcast is called sweet bobby it's available on all your favorite podcast platforms and apple spotify wherever else um tortoise media have their own um platform which you can subscribe to um and literally this morning they did a q a special podcast with me as well and we'll do we'll be doing a thinking this evening which will be available online as well i believe later um so that's that's them and they've been absolutely brilliant alexi gary basher tessa the whole team have been brilliant um yeah it, i mean it's been great because it's been a learning curve for them understanding like you know this is not how you speak about this kind of stuff it, you know it, it's been a really interesting time but yeah it they've been absolutely brilliant in terms of dealing with me sensitively and listening and they're probably really fed up with me too but yeah I'm always asking questions <laughs> so in terms of this whole the podcast and the, the story and everything what's next what's next because everyone's thinking oh my god this should be a film or like you know like how I thought this happens in films but no this is your life this is Kira's life like it's something that um yeah you you everybody can see it as a book or a film or something yeah, I'm kind of not paying too much attention to that kind of thing right now. Um, I know there's lots of people who keep saying that, and people have said it to me from the very beginning. Even my lawyers, when I first went to them, the ones that took this on, they even they were like, "Oh my god, this needs to be a film." You know, this should be a film. And I'm like, you know, um, when I went to them, they were like, "This is 15 or 16 cases they deal with rolled into one." Um, that's how big my case was, and unprecedented in in what it it's done. Um, but I don't know. I I just I'm just taking one day at a time, and I take each interaction like this as an interaction in itself. And after I get off, after I, we finish this, I will switch off um, until my next one because I don't dwell. I think that's another thing I've learned. I don't dwell and overthink anything anymore. Like in between, it is what it is. Whatever I've said to you is whatever I've said to you. I may not have conveyed myself really well. Um, I may not have talked about everything that I wanted to talk about. I mean, there's lots of things. I just just want to, you know, as we're winding up, just say there's four main things if it can help in any way. Um, one is educate the police and our UK government law, you know, on, on dealing with this because the police treated me quite poorly um, when I went to them. Um, second thing, the coercive control is a fairly new law very few prosecutions, but a lot of people, male and female, struggle with it and understanding what coercive control is and how it impacts individuals and how, you know, there's there might be narcissism involved, there might be sociopathical behaviours involved, whatever it might be, but coercive control is extremely serious and it debilitates victims. Um, thirdly, social media accountability. I know some of the other victims and me have all try to do stuff during the process of stuff they've known what's going on and they've never said anything never tried to put anything right never tried to explain anything to any any of us this could have been ended sooner and the fact that one person can have that have that many accounts is shocking um and then the last thing is you know 
brand community, let's not sweep things under the carpet. Let's deal with the rotten eggs in our, you know, the rotten apples in our barrels. And instead of letting that rot spread by becoming complicit in hiding it, let's just accept that in every community, in every society, you will get the occasional bad person. We just need to accept that. There's no shame in it. It's just how we deal with it as a community. Yeah, that's that's really important, actually. Well, thank you so much. I feel like there's there obviously is so much more <laughs> that we can talk about because, you know, it's been a while and there's a lot more that we can say because this was it's complex. It is complex. But thank you for, for just sharing all of that and um yeah, I'm gonna speak to you soon anyway. But um I know. Thank you for having me. And it's like obviously it's nice talking to you because obviously you're my friend and you know me. But thank, thank you. you for coming on and, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you everybody for listening. Um if you do have any more questions, then um just get in touch the best way is probably um Insta at Sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect or at Rena D Annabelle. You can email if you want mommyimperfect at gmail dot com. Um and definitely do listen to Sweet Bobby if you haven't already. So until next week, share this podcast. Make sure you're subscribed. Bye.